Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. Happy Halloween, Chicago. I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Today, I want to tell you a ghost story, a real one. Margot Lasano and her adult daughter, Estelle, live in East Pilsen. And Margot still lives in the home where she raised Estelle. And for as long as they can remember, the house has had some spooky stuff going on. The footsteps up the stairs, the shadow under the door, objects falling from like various places, doors opening. This is Chicago journalist Mauricio Pena. He looked into this story with WBEZ reporter Adriana Cardona Magigad for an episode of the Curious City podcast. They dug into some archives and found out that this house wasn't built that long ago. In fact, the Lozanos are the only family that has ever lived there, and no one in their family died in the house. Which begs the question, how can a house be haunted if no one has died in it? Well, fortunately, Mauricio and Adriana were on board to do some ghost hunting. So I talked to them about their experience, and based on their investigation, what's really scary might have less to do with ghosts and more to do with being displaced in a gentrifying neighborhood. We'll get back to that last bit in a minute. For now, let Margot Lozano tell it. Living with these spirits hasn't actually been that bad. Maybe I attract spirits, I don't know, but... Whatever spirits that may be, they're good spirits. Margot says she feels protected and guarded by them, and they're just coexisting in, in this house. And so I think more than anything, they wanted to kind of have an explanation for all these things that have been unexplainable for so many years. Mm-hmm. Even when we were interviewing Margot and Estelle, like Margot would often like, they say that they're not scared of it, but like when she starts describing it out loud, she would get chills and, and, and goosebumps and, and would like try to like rub them out. And, and it was just very interesting. It does gives them a little bit of the chills, but like overall, they're not scared. They're not frightened. They're not offended by these and they've never felt threatened. Yeah. So, Adriana, I know they told y'all a story about this story came from Estelle about when they were playing hide and seek as a kid. Can you just summarize that story for me? What happened? What did she tell you? So pretty much Estelle was playing hide and seek with her cousin and brother. And at some point Estelle was hiding in a bathroom, kind of like in the main floor. And the cousin was thinking that maybe Estelle was in the basement. And I saw him opening, trying to open the door and he pushes it. And he's shaking the door, and I could see that it's like he can't turn it. So the bathroom where Estelle was hiding is like right across from that basement door. And so Estelle kept kind of like, she was kind of peeking at her cousin trying to open that basement door, and he couldn't. Hmm. And he kept saying, Estelle, I got you. I know where you are. Like, you're here. Mm-hmm. And But then Estelle kind of came out and said, no, I am right here in the bathroom, like, looking at you, struggle with that door that usually can, you know, doesn't have a lock. And he just looks at me and goes, well, then who is it? And as he does that, this uh, basement door just creaks open. 
they got really freaked out and uh, they just went and took their their games outside. And so followed after that event, like other like little things happened, as Mauricio explained earlier, uh, that kind of like will kind of spook them out. And but then they'll move on and like do something else or forget about it. Yeah. Um. So we got some supernatural situations going on. But this story is also grounded in this very real gentrification situation in Pilsen. How did gentrification go from being a backdrop of a ghost story to coming into the foreground at times? You know, before, like back in the late 1800s, Pilsen uh, was home to mostly East Europeans and how, you know, and the conditions in which a lot of families used to live, you know, like they, they, they work harsh jobs and lived in crowded places. Mm. Then uh, once, you know, their situation got a little better, they will uh, move into the suburbs. And then a lot of Mexican families kind of like came in the 50s. And now a lot of those families are being kind of forced to leave uh, because it's just hard to, you know, to just keep up with how expensive the community is getting overall. So all that trajectory, like finding maybe like who could this ghost possibly be kind of like forced them and us to look at the history of the neighborhood and and their fears of displacement were kind of like at the forefront. And so that's why we kind of wanted to weave that into the story as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to add, I think like, you know, we very much might have this haunting that's happening or these supernatural unexplainable things that are happening but like at the same time um this family is being haunted by like the realities of seeing their neighbors priced out or a wave of of longtime residents like disappearing and leaving the community because they no longer are able to afford it and so we had a lot of conversations about how we weave this idea of displacement and the way displacement can haunt us and, and has yeah. haunted the, the Pilsen neighborhood for decades. Your research eventually led you to a day when a big event happened that kind of really spoke to some of the story that you were getting from the Lozano family, right? Yeah, so... There was a fire that took place in uh, June of 1886. Um, There was about nine people that perished in that fire on an early Monday morning. It was a Murphy family, um, the husband and wife and their three kids, and then the wife of Mr. Murphy's sister, Mary Jerkins, and her four-year-old son, um, who also perished in that fire. There was an investigation that spanned years They never were able to find anyone, but like that four-year-old boy is presumably who the family believes was playing that hide-and-seek with the family all those years ago. So now, at this point in the story, we have a new character. I am a medium. I connect with energy, spirits. The person's name is Christina Puccio. First of all, She's getting into this concept of spiritualism, and I want you to explain that. What is that? Okay, so 
We actually spoke to to several mediums. Uh, Christina Puccio explained that um, she also believes in the continuity of life, that spirits would continue to live you know, on a different dimension, I guess, and that, you know, some people here on Earth can establish communication with those spirits and that those spirits can also linger depending on the type of energy or trauma that was left behind in the spaces where they lived. Mm. Uh, Maurice, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I think, like, one thing that, just re- recalling Bucio's conversation when we asked about, like, can a spirit linger in this piece of land? And and she said, like, you know, they might not necessarily be in that same dimension, but, like, it could be, you know, a, a, a spirit that couldn't transition or an echo of a memory that's just replaying in that, that piece of land, even as everything around them changes. And I thought that was very fascinating to think about, just, like, how a memory can just reoccur mm. um, over and over, like an echo of mm-hmm. a past memory, and I it, that that really stuck with me. Yeah, it's the first time I've talked to a medium um, in mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. this interview process, and just thinking another way of thinking or another explanation that I might not necessarily have considered before. But like, definitely, it opens a door for me to think outside of the box. You know, oftentimes we're searching for rational answers or like an explainable thing, and we certainly went down that path when we started this. Like, how yeah. do we explain this? away. And, and I think Busio gave us a, a different way to kind of answer that question or have like at least some kind of answer yeah. to, to this. What did Christina Pusio say her interpretation was of who the spirits may be in the house and how they were existing there? Yeah. So as we will approach the home, you know, she'll, you know, she'll tell us like, oh, I'm I'm feeling like a, a weird feeling, like a sickness or something. Like I'm not breathing well. I can't breathe well. So that was the mm-hmm. first visit. Then when she went the second time. And, and you hadn't told her about the fire. No, we didn't no, tell no. her anything about the fire. We didn't even tell her. I don't think we we told her the address until the day that she was going to the house. So she didn't know the address. She didn't know which wow. house. Like okay. when we walked around, but she was like. I'm feeling lethargic. I'm feeling sick, like, um, like this pressure in my chest. And I don't, I, I think like when she, during that first walk, I turned, I think we caught each other's eyes because we were like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the, the moment she said, like, I feel sick, like Mauricio and I looked at each other like, oh, there's a clue. <laughs> but, <laughs> and the one thing that Christina also acknowledged is like, she's like, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know anything. The least you tell me, the better. Like, mm-hmm. I just... Please don't. And so, so that was, she mentioned that a couple times throughout our times with her. Um, so, yeah, so when, when she actually ended up going inside the Lozano's home, I was following her. Um, and, and she has a pendulum, and that pendulum kind of moves around depending. I really don't understand much about that, but, like, it moves around depending on, like, the energy that she's feeling. And she'll close her eyes and things like that. And... She started feeling some energy and she said that like the spirits there were, you know, quick to appear, but wouldn't communicate, like they were a little shy and and meaning they wouldn't communicate much after they would make their presence be known. It was until we got to the basement that she 
said right away. There's a strong presence of a little boy and a man. And she was well said, like, I'm getting that sense of, like, feeling sick, like, I, the feeling like I can't believe, like, I think they die in a fire or something. It was either a fire, maybe it could have been with, with gas or something that caused people to die here. Wow. I was like, I'm quiet. I'm just like <laughs> listening there. I'm like, oh, wow, we're, we're getting places here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, even just to that point, like, it took us a while to track down that article because it was hidden in archive. It was like blocked and like unless you had a specific mm. like knew that in the 18, 1800s mm -hmm. and like there was this fire, like it wasn't easily accessible. So it's like, I don't know. It was just like as you were texting me all of this, I was getting like a real-time <laughs> updates of the, that interview that day. And I was like, I, we need to talk after this to, to debrief and, <laughs> and chat. And it was just very interesting to like, to know that they, the family, what the family felt and what Christina felt like they came to kind of like the same kind of conclusion. Near the end of your storytelling, at least, I don't know if this was the end or is the end <laughs> of your reporting on this, um, but um, it kind of comes back to the gentrification conversation. Like, what's scarier? Um, the fact that there may actually be spirits in this place or that these people may be displaced and their family and, and people that they know have or may be displaced as well. Um, and I wonder if you can just kind of get into that. Yeah, I mean, the, the the family definitely right away mentioned this this fear of gentrification, but they couldn't quite like, in a way, articulate it as, is that something that haunts them more than anything else? And they, they will say like, yeah, we don't want this to happen. We don't want that to happen. But at the end, you know, we were able to come up with like, okay, what haunts you? And they're like, yeah, definitely developers creeping up the block and, and taking over our properties. And because they've seen it so much, they've, you know, uh, Estelle and Margot were telling me like they had friends and family uh, who used to own property and uh, maybe they couldn't keep up with repairs or maybe they couldn't keep up with pro property taxes. And it was a lot, you know, more financially beneficial to, to sell their property to a developer than mm. to try to rehab it or, or you know, keep up with the taxes, the property taxes. So um, they've seen it happening. They've seen, like, buildings uh, kind of, like, you know, being constructed, like, within six months, a brand-new building in mm -hmm. their community. And they can tell you, they can pinpoint, like, that used to be a macaroni factory. That used to be this other factory. That used to be a brewery. Like, they really have that knowledge. They've, through that lot, through that house, they've kind of witnessed their community change. And, and that's a real scare for them, like, to think that, they would someday have to move. And even they were worried about, like, us putting their house on display because they definitely are also dodging developers trying to buy their lot. Mm -hmm. So it's a real fear for them, um, you know, and continues to be 
um, as you know, as as they continue to live there, is is gonna be it's something that they're gonna be fighting for a while. Who knows for how long? Yeah, just to like briefly add, Margot when Margot and Christina met, and like after Christina went through the home, and um, she's and Margot asked, "So do I have spirits in here?" <laughs> and um, Christina confirmed, "Yes, you have spirits." And um, or, or she said something like. They're living rent rent free. That's fine. That's okay. And Christina <laughs> laughs and like, and and it's expensive and it's not cheap. Pilsen's not cheap. And wow. you know, I think like even like even as we're talking about these paranormal things, there's this like consciousness that like you know the reality is Pilsen has become unaffordable for so many people. Mm-hmm. And you know, even as we're having these conversations, they're acknowledging that. And like, I, I think just like looking out the window their window of East Pilsen, they've seen the different iterations in the last 30 years, even in in that pocket um, that they've called home. Adriana Cardona Magigad is a reporter for Curious City and Mauricio Pena is a Chicago-based journalist. Adriana, Mauricio, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. You can listen to Adriana and Mauricio's episode of Curious City wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a question for Curious City, you can submit it at curiouscity.wbez.org. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banazak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, please rate us, review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later. I do believe in spirits. Maybe my energy is that strong that they follow me. If so, wonderful, great. I'm happy for that because my love for them has never ended and it probably will never end.